Um, hi, Kevin. Welcome. And um, yeah, this is the 19th episode of my um, space series. Um, I think you've been here before, so welcome again. Um, and it's recorded just uh, for closure. Um, but feel free to chime in, ask any question anytime. So this is the 19th episode of Fortune 1000. I just I look at companies selected and random in the Fortune 1000 list and kind of look at what they do, how they started, and uh, what makes them uh, so special that they qualify to be in the top 1000 companies in the world. And today, um, I'll be looking at Insulet. Insulet. Um, let's see here. Insulet Corporation. This is an American-based company. It develops and sells uh, medical devices used for the administration of insulin. Okay, that makes sense from the name. So based in U.S. medical company, valued at twenty billion dollars, uh, with a share price of two ninety two, making it the eight hundred and forty seventh company. So that's quite impressive, and it seems like the market cap had a serious jump in two thousand. Started rising in two thousand eighteen. Prior to that, it was about one point nine billion. And then from 2018, 2019, started rising all the way to where it is now, 10 billion. So the last uh, five years has been good for them, market cap-wise. Let's see the revenue, same thing with revenue. It's been rising because I guess more people need insulin and it's medical. Medtech companies seem to always be in business. Uh, revenue last year was 1.3 billion, which is impressive, yeah, interesting. But earnings of 36 million, so that is worrisome, which dropped from 78 million in 21. So having a revenue of 1.3 billion and the earnings is 36 million, that's a Seems to be a lot of expenses. Earnings are like, you know, profit. Like, so it seems to, to have a lot of expenses. But let's see if I can get more information about the company Insulet Corporation. Do um, they have? I don't have Wikipedia. If insulet.com. I want to see how old the company has been around. Insulet. Yeah, of course, they don't have... They don't have a company. Let's see. News and stories, no. There should be some information about about insulate. 
yeah, history. More than 20 years ago, a Massachusetts father and entrepreneur looked at his young son's options for insulin delivery and wasn't satisfied. He knew there had to be a better way, so he got to work. So the company started in the year 2000. That is quite impressive. That is quite impressive. To a company that's not even, it's about 22 years, 23 years. I'd say the fourteen thousand. Yeah, only in the Americas though. This only happens in the US of A. Well, so sketching the first design of port therapy on a napkin, he paved the way for Insulet's omnipod technology. Oh, they invented something here. A tubeless wearable disposable insulin pod. Wow, that's amazing. Now available in 24 countries, from Insulet's first iteration of pod therapy to today's revolutionary Omnipod 5 automated insulin delivery system, our customers' needs remain our inspiration and drive our progress. Okay. So they had something innovative here, which kind of makes sense. I guess they got a patent for it and whatnot. So company founding... In 2000, 2003, they got FDA clearance, Omnipod Insulin Management System, first version. In 2005, they got the FDA clearance and commercial launch for the second version of the system. 2010, they got into Europe. 2011, got into Canada. 2013, US, US launch. Omnipod Insulin Management System, G3, 2017, the Gut Medicare Part D. This is where 2017-2019 is where they started a serious boost in the economy with market cap and even revenue too. You can see the jump from 2016. So I guess all the expenses is just for expansion. Right now, they probably spend a lot of money in expanding the business, building more factories and whatnot. In 2018, the Omnipod Dash insulin management system became a mobile app instead of the other monitoring system, which is smart. Because then they they saved a lot with actually, because um, they, they had a, a real device for monitoring the uh, the users of the of the pod, the insulin pod. Then they moved to software and cut all their costs. So then they didn't need to manufacture hardware, like they just use a mobile phone. That was smart. Um, 2000, so many, 2019, they opened the U.S. manufacturing facility and headquarters in Acton, Massachusetts. 2021, started distribution in Australia and the Middle East. Wow. FDA clearance in 2022 for the Omnipod 5 automated insulin delivery system. Yeah, these guys, I think they have, they have a long way to go. This company is going to grow more. This company is definitely 
has a good future. Um, diabetes is complicated because diabetes is like everywhere in the world. A person living with insulin-dependent diabetes may approximately make approximate makes approximately three hundred decisions per day to manage their care, adding to dozens of factors that impact glucose levels and concern can be constant. Ultimately, people with diabetes and their caregivers share the same goals. They want better health outcomes with less work and less worry. So, the path to automation. Insulate made insulin delivery wearable with pod therapy. Like they really changed the game. Where people didn't have to get hooked up with tubes and all whatnot. It's just like a patch. Uh, nah. These guys did it. It's a, a, it's absolutely remarkable the technology, right? I looked it up also, oh. um, and yeah, I've I've seen it um, actually just even on shorts, you know, um, on wow. yeah. online. It's just people just talking about it and uh, how how convenient and useful it is, right? It monitors your glucose levels and oh. delivers insulin into the body whenever it needs it. So instead of having to check your check your uh, you know prick your finger and check, my right. my mother has type one diabetes. Instead of having oh. to check all the time. And then, uh, you know, monitor from there or whatever. Um, what? It just instantly does it constantly. It's, it's a, it's pretty, like you said, it's a incredibly innovative technology. Right. So no, no, no wonder in the past 20 years, once it was obviously was able to obtain uh, FDA approval, I'm sure that's really when everything started to explode, right? Right. The demand, all of a sudden, the government themselves are, are uh, supporting the government uh, Medicare plans and everything else is supporting the product also. And it's just so convenient, so life-saving, and it's just incredibly innovative. And so when discussing any kind of company, though, uh, there's always going to be that factor, right? This innovative right. factor. Right. Just being able to, you know, feed a, a very precise need and, and do it very well. And, and then, well, of course, you're going to do well, right? Because you're just solving a problem. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I, I appreciate your, your feedback, uh, uh, Kevin. It's, uh, yeah, very insightful. I absolutely agree with you, man. Like from even from most of the other companies that we looked at, like they, you know, they found something that was groundbreaking in that industry that kind of gave them unfair advantage. You know, like Sumitomo, I think they were they were the first people in for the last episode. They were the first people in Japan to find out how to uh, get silver from copper to extract silver from copper, as at the time where silver was currency. So that was like they just found a gold mine. So it kind of made them, you know, able to produce money and then able to become an investment firm. So, yeah, and these guys, they also found gold. Like whatever discovery, they, the person who found this out, like, you know, I mean, it kind of made them worth this valuation. And I think they're going to grow more because um, it definitely has to be patented, like, uh, and now they're manufacturing and small device. It's like nothing bulky. So it's, it's not going to be, you know, very huge custom production for them. So, yeah, they say more to come on their, on their website. We innovate and lead making continuous advancements in technology to create a new standard of care in diabetes management. Each iteration of Omnipod eases burdens and improves outcomes. We've come a long way since the napkin sketch, and we're not finished. Improved customer experiences are on the horizon, 
because we remain driven by determination, compassion, and desire for something better. Yeah. Well, interesting history is a young, younger, young company, twenty-three years. Uh, but they have definitely done something. Trying to see the leadership. I don't know who the founder is. Jim Hollingshead, director, president, CEO. I want to know, like, see if I can find out the actual person behind this. Uh, let me see. Can get more info here. Which base? It's interesting that they should have at least a Wikipedia article. It's interesting that they don't. They deserve a Wikipedia article. It's just. Uh, yeah, they're definitely public. So, founder of 129. Founders. Doesn't show who the founders are. Well, wow. interesting. Uh, CEO Shacy Petrovich. I'm seeing another name, John L. Brooks. The company was founded by John L. Brooks III and John T. Gariboto in July 2000. Let me get more of that info. Insulet Corp. It's an innovative medical device company which engages in development, manufacture, and marketing of insulin infusion system. Its current product offering consists of diabetes supplies including Omnipod system. The company was founded by John L. Brooks III and John T. Garibato in July 2000 and is headquartered in Bilarica, Massachusetts. But none of the founders uh, seem to be in the running of the company, so it looks like a case where they had a good idea and business people took over. Because it seems to be a different thing to have an idea starting a company and then running the business. It's a different ball game, especially in the U.S. Big Corp. Yeah, I don't see any of the founders here. Okay, let me see if I can get any info. John L. Brooks. John L. Brooks. Third, maybe they're just employed. Hmm. This person seems to be working on another company. Jen L. Brooks Third is now managing director of Healthcare Capital LLC. Is this the same person? Seems to be because it's still in Massachusetts. Maybe he sold the he sold the idea. Wow. Ice specimen. He sold it, and he runs ice specimen. Be a part of the bio specimen revolution. Biofluids, tissue samples, validation testing kits. So it seems like this is a case of where the founder started the company at some point, 
uh, it has sold it um, to the people who are running it right now. So I don't know if to credit them. I mean, if they started, if they started it, then it's a good thing. But the, some of the new iterations are probably, you know, some of the someone else will take the credit for it and not the person who started it. Leticia Cousin Compliance. Let me see. It's hard to get all of this information because there will be like. Um, Dr. Hollingshead was has served as the president and CEO since June 2022, so that's quite early, and has been in the board since 2019. I served as president of the Sleep and Respiratory Care Business at ResMed Inc. Um, he has held numerous positions, including president, chief strategic officer, and whatnot. This is a near CEO, so it looks like. Power has been rotating the company for a while. Um, is there anything else about Insulet? I can. Yeah, the founders. Let me see, I found that was just one founder. Let me see the other person, John T. Garibaldo. John T. Garibaldo. Let me see. Um, Insulet. Yeah, I think that's what happened. They started the company and, and left. Jerry hmm. Gary Bardo stealing Massachusetts. Okay, they probably still have the patents. So I guess what they did was, I understand how that deal went. Let me not assume. But both founders are now doing different things. They're doing different things. Maguro Inc. The other founder. One is on Specimen Inc. The other person is at Maguro International, which is a fishing company. Lobster. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. I, I guess they still have royalties in some form for this idea. Because definitely a game changer. So let me see. Um, this this is a very interesting case, though. I don't think throughout the episodes I've seen anyone where the founder leaves quite early. Usually the founder stays and then hands hands over to either the kid or someone else. Um, someone else. Let's see. Insulate CV Insights. We get some more information. Yeah, there isn't much information. John Books, the third co founder of Insulate Corp., demonstrates that the phenomenon of dads who inspired and start businesses by their own children's diseases extends beyond the biotech sector into the medical device. So he was the one, it was John Brooks that, that um, because of his kid. So it was his kid that motivated the idea. Oh, wow. Another case of 
bad news. The cousin of fortune. Hmm, that's interesting. So he took the challenge of probably wouldn't have been that invested if in trying to figure out the solution if his child didn't have a problem. Hmm. Interesting way to think about problems. But oh, I wish I can get more information about this company. It's very brief. The insulin. Just insulin pods. That's it. One product. One product. It's interesting. There are a lot of companies that have like 550 products. Right. So it's not by the number of products. It's by the demand of the innovation that really affects how a company becomes very valuable. Um, let me see if I can see more information from the site. Our impact, resilient operations, sustainable product innovation. Um, let's see careers. What jobs do they have available? Open positions. So they have supplier quality engineer on site. Posted two days ago. I wonder what this person is supposed to do. Application security engineer, crimp technician, cost accounting manager, remote, hmm. senior cost accountant, MBA marketing and corporate strategy internship, co-op supply chain planning, co-op university recruiting, senior manufacturing engineer, manufacturing engineer, product portfolio manager, Senior manufacturing engineer. Well, they have a lot of jobs available. Holy smokes, five nine hundred one ninety seven jobs. So what is it? Is that people are not and people are not employed. So there's all, all these jobs available. One ninety seven vacant vacancies. Uh, well, something else you can point out is that uh, the Insulate, um, you know, stock shares are mostly owned by uh, private um, institutions, right? Management, uh, you know, funds. And so, um, like, you know, the Vanguard Inc., uh, Capital Research and Management Company, mm. uh, th these are like the top owners of stock in the company, right? So I think it's, it's, uh, it's I think definitely the main owners don't uh, own very much stock at all. I think that's what you're kind of alluding to, right? I'm sure they still have stock in the company. And I'm sure they may see royalties and everything else, right? But once they took it public, it's really just going like anything that's going to be good is going to be dominated by these, by by these, uh, you know, hedge funds or these these uh, you know, uh, management funds uh, that just kind of just take hold of everything that's profitable, you know. Wow. And so I yeah, I think that's something that is interesting to look at also. I, and we can get this from the. Oh, that's an, that's very interesting information. We can get it from like, like how can you see the the ownership distribution? Oh, you just look up the um, uh, you know, the insulate uh stock ownership. Okay. Oh. 
Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. Fidelity Management owns 14%, 10 million shares. (laughs) The Vanguard Group, nine. Capital Research, Wellington Management, Capital Research and Management, BlackRock. Clearbridge Investments, SSGA Funds Management, JP Morgan. Wow. So this stuff is something I have to look at every time I'm doing this. I appreciate that um, that input. And then you have the mutual funds holding, American Funds, American Funds Small Cap, Vanguard Total Stock, Vanguard Healthcare Fund. Yeah. And... Yeah, definitely. You can look into the uh, a lot of these um, a lot of these people right here that you're looking at. These owners, uh, yeah. they own they own a lot of stuff, man. Like they 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 they're totally willing to invest and stuff like that, you know. So it's like, like you gotta like well, the whole idea is like follow the money, you know. Like once it goes public, well, yes, of course, the there's gonna be stocks in the company, right? Yeah. And so uh, who's gonna buy up the stocks if it's a very profitable company? You know, it's like well, the wealthy will, you know. Right. And uh, so these like these groups and everything else, and then it's like institutionalized wealth is actually kind of like what we start looking at as far as capitalism right. and, uh, you know, things like that go like just economic uh, concepts and principles that are going to happen. Right. The wealth tends to accumulate to a to a, a very small minority of individuals, you know, right. and to fewer and fewer hands. You have the, the, the ever more epically wealthy individuals and then. Quite a quite a few that are very impoverished. So it's like it's just interesting to look at uh, capitalism uh, from you know that kind of standpoint. Really looking at where all the ownership lies. You know. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm I'm looking at Fidelity, like the the top one there. Like all all of their total stuff is like about six eighty one billion. Um, but like Fidelity, like how many people run this stuff, like? Who benefits from all of this, you know, assets that they have? Like, how is it distributed in terms of people? Equity, mutual fund assets, about three ninety nine, like almost one trillion total mutual fund assets. So it's like a total company visits to federal equity, uh, fidelity equity research in Boston, two thousand two, three thousand companies. Wow. And they also manage funds, like other fund companies, 283 funds. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's definitely interesting. Fidelity management. Who owns Fidelity management? FMR LLC. Fidelity is one of the largest mutual fund companies in the U.S., headquartered in Boston. The firm offers financial product services to more than 40 million individuals, started by Edward Johnson, and the company is still managed by the family. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. So Edward Johnson's family that owns 49% of the company. Holy macaroni. Wow. And it's, it's quite young, 1946. 
Edward Johnson. Edward Crosby Johnson, American businessman and lawyer who founded the Fidelity Investments. A Boston Bra Brahmin. Mr. Johnson was born Edward Crosby Johnson in a townhouse on Bacon Street, the son of Samuel Johnson. Yeah. This guy gets some. Oh, I went to Harvard Business School. Yeah. That's where they teach economic psychopathy. Boston, he applied to have Fidelity Fund approved in 1930. Sec director of Massachusetts approved the fund. In 1946, he founded Fidelity Management and Research and he served as his chairman. He died of Alzheimer's in 1984. But now the family <laughs> is set for life. This is this is so this is amazing. So like the family owns forty nine percent of all of the stuff. It's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, so that's what I was trying to yeah, this idea of institutionalized wealth, you know? Yeah. Um if we look at really who who ends up owning everything, it's a very a very few percentage, right? It's like a man, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? The yeah. He has this one concept where it's like you have the 80 20 percent right so right. out of out of a hundred percent of the wealth 20 people will own 80 percent right and 80 80 percent will only own 20 okay. percent yeah. and it's like but that continues to be applied time and time again right so if you look at the one percent you can still take 80 percent of them and say that well 80 percent of the one percent still only make 20 percent of the top you know okay. the part is and, yeah, exactly. And it just goes yeah. in-depth quick. It goes so in-depth so quickly. But this is capitalism at, at its core, is that the wealth always accumulates to fewer and fewer and fewer people at the top, right? Yeah. It's, it's okay. A... okay. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask, but this doesn't only happen like with um, finance. Like, so if we look at Olympics, right, only a fraction of all the athletes get the medals. Like, it seems to be something that happens across the board. Yeah, like uh, with productivity also, right? Given right. any any team, 20% will be performing 80% of the team's work, right? Right. And so productivity, intelligence, like all these things kind of tend to follow a uh, principle for some reason. Like it's like, it's it's just kind of a, a, a thing, you know? Right. And it's, ama it's amazing to look at that. And it does apply across across the board. And that's also equally profound. Um, but, that, but then all of a sudden we get to this idea of uh, morality, Right. Morality, justice, um, you know, uh, the government's uh, desire or the people's desire to uh, limit trade, limit, um, uh, you know, impose government. Uh, what's the word? Government like oversight over all these uh, economic systems. Right? right. In order to ensure that the wealth will continue to be distributed. Yeah. This is this is kind of a socialistic concept, though. But if we look at like right now, you're looking at these companies, man, the wealth accumulates to a very select few people. Right. Massive and massive amounts of wealth. Yeah. And so, like, what is the I mean, if if that was the change and they suddenly wanted to redistribute it as the way it would go evenly. I think like it will still taper again, like because money will always move. I need to move towards a direction of something is supplying value that majority of people will have a demand for, and then that will cause that you know that part like the paradigm will still exist again. Like even if the government said, okay, let's redistribute this all of a sudden, 
and then take from the people who have accumulated and distributed evenly. Maybe it will still, like, it may just for a while, you know, there may be fewer disparities, but it will probably taper again if there's freedom of, like, even if there's no freedom, like, then it will just be the government having the money and then or having that, that power. And then people, will, instead of trying to build systems that work, what people will try to do is to be in government, they have power. So that's, that's interesting, man. Well, it's like, so it's like, even if we look right now, if we look at the U.S. currency, right, uh, Right. nobody can deny inflation, right? The average American, I don't know, 50 years ago was paying uh, a ridiculous, uh, a ridiculously smaller amount of money for for basic goods, right? Inflation has been increasing. Even my, my, my father, he spoke of a time when he was very young where he could buy, you know, quite a bit of, of, of goods with, with a smaller amount of money. right? Right. And so, uh. This idea of inflation increasing, one way of, of visualizing, uh, uh, you know, the complexity of inflation to kind of simplify it is to say that as the wealth accumulates to fewer and fewer people, then there's less wealth for the rest of the 80 percent. Right. right. And so and so that's why the government in their trickle down economy, uh, you know, cuts such large, large breaks for the massively wealthy because they know they're going to always exist. These wealthy people. So they cut large breaks for them so that they will reinvest back into the bottom. Right. If the people, if these epically wealthy people don't reinvest, if they're not building new things, if they're not creating new jobs, creating new, new movement, then, uh, then their money just sits there, separate from the population. And so, what the government will do is it'll, in, it'll, uh, it'll inflate the currency, right? It'll introduce money to the bottom, uh, to keep it, to keep it going. But it, it, but as the wealth increases, as, as the system gets more and more money pumped into it. Then the currency itself is less war- is is worth less, obviously, right? Yeah. So what what a more socialistic approach is to do is to try its best, and this is what they're implementing in Europe and everything else, right? Is is high taxes on the on the uh, on yeah. the wealthy, yeah. And then a lot of a lot of state sponsored things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the education is far superior, healthcare far superior, um, all all like across the board, a quality of life is superior because they're redistributing the wealth. Otherwise, they would just be pumping it in. But that isn't to say, though, that the U.S. economy is not the is not the greatest powerhouse that the world has ever seen, right? The right. U.S. economy is is un unimaginable by any any concept, uh, you know, in, right. in history. It's like it's absolutely immense, and so. Uh, I, I, and it creates like it's the most innovative so far in terms of like, with I would say forming corporations, ideas like or not, that you know revolutionize the world. U.S. is still at the top. I think I have one of that, you know, infographic where China is trying to... It's still going to take China a while because it's easy to form a corporation in, you know, the U.S. regardless of where you were born in or whatever, like, if you have a great idea. And, like, it's easy to start something up. I think this is what gives the U.S. the advantage. Someone, like, from Syria can just go to China and form an apple because right steve jobs is a syrian like it doesn't happen in china or any even anywhere in the world like we're anywhere in the world if someone from syria just jump in there and build an apple like it's not gonna happen so i think this is what really kind of makes like the u.s such such a place that it means be a while before it even like it's gonna still be a powerhouse for the next century most likely for the next century, most likely. 
because every every other every other country is like still trying to like catch up in terms of the corporations and the you know but the companies that they have you know and, and things that are, are building products or services that are use available all around the world. Um, if this going to change, I don't know. Maybe with BCIs. I think that's what that's what gives the US the upper hand. But then to solve disparities, like if they figure that out, like I don't know if it's they purposely no one to do that, so that there's not a high influx of people um, into the country. Maybe that's what they're trying to do. I don't know. But I think US is gonna US is still is still gonna be a home for most of the most valuable enterprises in the world for for the time to come because it's kind of open open to great ideas you know the whole Delaware C Corp thing um, whereas anybody can form a Delaware C Corp you rise up the ranks with a great idea they get good investors and boom uh, you stand the chance of becoming a fortune company so man this is probably the the best place to to start a company. I I think a lot of it has to do with culture, also. You know, just the fact yeah. that it's like this big mixing pot. So, right. any anybody's willing to really kind of, you know, engage with anybody else. We're very humble. Right. I think actually, we're very considerate. Maybe extremely judgmental at times, right? Americans and everything else, but at the yeah. same time, we're we're gonna we're we're, we're pretty respectable. You know, actually. Right. We actually are. That's what's crazy. Like it seems like there's such this huge divide for me right now, but like fundamentally, everybody's just actually just trying is respectful, you know. Right. And they're just drawing their own lines wherever they are. But, um, but that definitely that culture, uh, leaves so much room for for econ uh, the uh, economy to to just flourish, you know. That's right. Uh, fundamental rights. I think that's, you know, intrinsic. You look at the Declaration of Independence, right? Okay. Uh. The vast majority of which is just grievances against the British government, you know, just how they're not ruling them properly. And it's like, well, you know what? We, we got our independence and then we blossomed, you know, That's right. and strong world power, you know, like we no economy has ever seen this kind of stuff, you know, True. modern True. day. Yeah. 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 So you got insulate, uh, you know, breakthrough, um, innovative, innovative uh, technology. Right. For diabetes, insulin, uh, you know, and uh, well, of course, we see like I think they, the owners probably just uh, you know went public with it, uh, and then just are kind of probably definitely still reeking the benefits of it, even though a lot of it is is in these uh, you know hedge funds in these um, um, investment management companies. Right, right. It's a it's a great idea. I, I feel like they're still gonna grow a bit. Somehow it's it's kind of interesting that most of the benefits. I mean, some of the workers and executives will get paid, but the real success is the fact that the products will sell, like, and all of that sales will go somewhere, which is the people that own the company. So, I mean, great idea, but people benefit from it still. And there's still the, the whole long list of you know other guys. I didn't even investigate those other management funds, but I'll, I'll look into it. So I think I'm, I'm going to draw the 
I'm going to draw the random for the next company. Um, this one has been, you know, quite insightful. Um, I, you know, I'm really, I'm really um, pumped with the the idea and the, the the company, and the fact that it's also a very young one, uh, very innovative idea too. So for the next episode, let's draw, and the number is nice, one thirty five. So let's see what company it is. One thirty-five is should be a big company. Should be a big company. LG. Wow. Well, LG. That'll be an interesting one. I should have more information with this one. So LG next one. Um. Yeah. Can't wait. It's a big company. Almost five times this one. Um, so yeah, LG next episode. And, uh, if you listen to this recording, you can visit fortune.techc.org to, um, uh, listen to the previous episodes. They've been quite interesting things we've discovered. Hopefully over time, this can eventually become a a video podcast, but right now it's still going to be in spaces, uh, figuring out interesting things about great companies and what to learn. So uh, thank you. Thank you, Kevin, today for joining. You, you know, you've really added a lot of uh, value and insights. You've been profound. Appreciate it. Uh, please look out for the, the next one. It'd be great to have you there. Uh, thank you very much. If you're listening to this episode, have a great week and uh, be productive. Thank you.